Good evening, everyone. If you have your Bibles, please open to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm going to jump around this chapter a lot because I want to make a lot of references to it. But I'm just going to, at least for us, to know what a little bit what this chapter is about. I'm going to start reading from verse 25 to 35. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 25. Now concerning virgins, I have no command of the Lord, but I give an opinion as one who by the mercy of the Lord is trustworthy. I think then that this is good in view of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you marry, you have not sinned, and if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Yet such will have, tr will have trouble in this life, and I'm trying to spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time has been shortened so that from now on, those who have wives should be as though they had none, and those who weep as though they did not weep, and those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice, and those who buy as though they did not possess, and those who use, those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it, for the form of this world is passing away. But I want you to be free from concern, one who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, she may please her husband. This I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is appropriate and secure, undistracted devotion to the Lord. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, may you bless this message. And Lord, this is a, a big topic for us as we move through this series. And Lord, we only ask that the, the Holy Spirit would be guiding our minds and our thoughts as we go through this series and particularly this passage. Lord, help us be humble to acknowledge where we where our state is and may we constantly be dependent on you and to remain where you want us to be. May we always be thankful knowing that the state that we are in is, is there because you've ultimately have granted it to us. May we always be cheerful and joyful knowing that you are returning and that we as Christians are called to live in the moments to his fullest for your glory. May we not be a people that are grumbling and complaining about what we do not have, but, but be grateful for what we, what we do have in you, Lord. Be with us this evening. Give us attentiveness and allow us to focus on your word. Thank you in your son's precious name. Amen. Now, much like last week's message, if this is your first time here, we're going through a little dating relationship series. So far, we've gone through just the, the first one was just an introduction, and then we talked about marriage and biblical anthropology and how those things are uh, important as we try to reorient our life and our minds toward what is most pleasing to the Lord. And today's this topic is the, probably the one that people dread the most because it's the natural state that we're in. We're born single. And this is a huge topic, and I know this is, can be a sensitive topic as well. 
So much like last week, I do want to give a disclaimer that there will be things I say that, are, that may not apply to all of you. Uh, some of the things might apply, and you just have to be wise and discerning to figure out which one actually applies to you and your circumstance. Again, I'll do my best to try to draw from the text and then maybe give some applicational points and examples and illustrations. But just understand that because this topic is so vast, uh, I'm not going to be able to cover everything in it. In fact, when I was back when I was at Grace, we had these leadership meetings every Tuesday morning. And one of the particular topics we talked about was on singleness. And uh, what, what the, the leader there, um, Austin, he was sharing with us that, you know, there aren't that many books that's actually written on this topic of singleness. Uh, it's, it's often very short. It's, uh, there aren't any, any extensive volumes on these things. And the ones that do write on it are the Catholics. And it, was, and it kind of was a, a shocking revelation. And he reads a lot, so I assume that's true. But that, the, that it's generally in the Protestant world, we don't tend to talk, like to talk about singleness. Uh, I made the joke about, well, not really joke, but I, I made that illustration a few weeks ago about how Martin Luther hated the Roman Catholic Church. And one way to spite him was that he, he married all the nuns and the, and the monks together. Um, and I think that somehow has influenced our church as well. It, it's kind of throughout history that we have a high view of marriage, which is good. I think there is an appropriate place for that. And single, singleness, however, tends to get a bad rap even in Christian circles. Singles often get attacked from both people inside and outside the church. People outside the church think that Christians are weird for remaining celibate and to be single. Uh, they seem, there's a, this assumption that these Christians are single, are strange, awkward, and, and just lonely people. But sadly, this type of thinking also appears in the church as well. Sometimes people that are married and older in the church tend to look down upon those that are single and they wonder, why aren't you married yet? Why, you need to grow up. You need to go and do things uh, and stop being single. Stop wasting your life with, with your singleness. Now, obviously, those things are wrong because that's not how the Bible describes singleness. There are misconceptions of singleness, and one of the misconceptions of singleness is that when you are single, you're missing out on something great. That, oh, you don't know what life is like until you are married. And I'd like to assure you that that is not the case. Uh, the Bible speaks very highly of singleness, and it, it seems to cherish those that are single. So don't think that just because you are single now that you're somehow defective or that you're missing something in life. You're just called to be you know, where you are in a particular time because the Lord has granted it to you, this particular gift in this life or this season of your life. And also there's some things that think that, oh, you're single, that means you're missing, uh, that you're somehow inferior. Not only that you're missing out on something, but you're also in inferior. You know, sometimes people look down on you, they ask you questions that are, again, not helpful, but hurtful statements. I think part of the reason why that is is because it's perceived that married people are somehow more responsible than single people. And although it's true that married people have more responsibilities, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're, they're godlier or even more mature. There are immature married people, there are ungodly married people, and there are also married people that are irresponsible. Again, that's not true in every sense, but there are those that are indeed Immature, yes, but there are also those that are not. And I think when people, particularly married people, look down on single people, it's, it's a sense of pride. You know, they, they think that they've conquered the, the beast and the slayed the dragon. Now, therefore, they're in this place of the upper echelon of Christian living. And they look down on those that have not achieved their level 
in their status in life. Some people believe that marriage is somehow the next stage. And I'm just going to forewarn you, some of you will not leave the stage of singleness. You know, some people think, oh, okay, I'm here to join heirs. When can I get to blueprints? You know, when can I get to a stage where I get to like, be with all these married uh, couples and all these little cute kids? When can I get to that stage? And just the reality that for some of you, the Lord has not placed that in your life. And you need to be thankful to that because that's how the Lord has answered your prayer. I think oftentimes we think, oh, Lord, give me a spouse. And then the Lord says, no, this is not for you. And you need to thank the Lord that he has indeed answered your prayer. But that doesn't mean that you're somehow defective or inferior. This is just where the Lord has placed you. Marriage may be the next stage for a lot of people, but that next stage isn't necessarily a promotion. Just like if a person is widowed, doesn't mean that they get demoted. I think sometimes people think that marriage is a next step, largely because they are discontent with where they are, and they feel like if, they, if I just go over to the next phase of life, if I have a different life now, then my life will be filled with happiness. So they see marriage as some sort of goal that they need to obtain in life. But marriage, again, isn't some sort of elite club for Christians. It's just a gift, just like how singleness is a gift. Singleness is something that Paul speaks about in great length. This is probably the chapter in the entire Bible that speaks the most on this topic of singleness. And it should be noted that in the epistle, Paul is not speaking of singleness or marriage in terms of like whether it's a sin issue or not. It's not a moral issue. He's just giving, uh, by the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, counsel and wisdom on how to live this life. This is a, so this is a wisdom issue. He's not saying that if you're single, then you're in sin, or you're married, you're in sin, or that if you're single, then you're godly, or if you're married, you're, in go you're godlier. He's just saying, based on the life that we live, here are just some practical things to think about if you choose to pursue either singleness or marriage. Again, the Bible doesn't say that singleness is a sin or that marriage is somehow a sin either. It just tries to, it, it, it elevates both differently. There are instances that it can be sin. Some people can be single for, the, for sinful reasons, just like someone could be married for sinful reasons. So you need to look at these biblical principles and engage where is the Lord placing you in this life? Again, it's a matter of wisdom. And again, wisdom is the ability to apply biblical truth in a practical way in, in everyday life. It requires skillfulness, it requires thoughtfulness. It takes time for you to think about these principles and see how does this apply into my life. This is the thing that requires us to be mature in. We need to be, uh, we have to have the mind of Christ in that way. I think the Lord answers that question here in terms of whether or not you should be married or single in this chapter. It is definitely a grace of God that the Lord has given us some parameters and wisdoms on how we could think through this. Now, I'll say right now that the Bible only gives command to restrain someone from sin, but if they are not, but if they are not able to fall into sin, then they're free to do whatever they want. They do whatever they believe is best that's pleasing to the Lord. That does mean that for those that are single, that doesn't want to be married, that they're struggling with some sort of sexual desire, that it's fine that you should go and get married. It is better for you to get married than to, than to burn with passion to fall into sin. The Lord always wants you to be holy first. And sometimes that what does mean that you need to pursue a spouse, and other times it just means you're, you just need to fight your, your sinful flesh and be content and be joyful in the Lord. So again, it depends on where you are in your life. It's different for everyone. I'm not going to, I'm going to try my best not to do this whole paintbrush thing and say like they, all of you guys are in the same category because I know all of you are in different stages of life and different stages of maturity. So you just need enough principles to think through things. Again, 
Singleness, this word that we think about, it actually takes in multiple forms. Singleness is better for some from an eternal perspective. Singles must not be seen as some sort of second-class Christians, and I think if your parents think that way, just tell them to listen to this part of the message. We're 15 minutes in, so we'll just let 15 minutes. And tell them that the Bible doesn't speak in those terms, and your parents should not speak in those terms as well, especially if they're believers, if they're trying to, you know, pigeonhole you to get married. It's like, okay, that's maybe in their own pride. They're like, oh, well, we want grandkids, so get married now. And I think, I know, speaking for myself, that may could be for some of you, when I was in high school, my, my parents said, you're not allowed to date. You can't even look at another female. It's like, well, what are you talking about? How did I do that? Like, you can't do anything with anyone. I can't go to prom with anyone. You just can't have any relationships with anyone of the opposite gender. It's like, okay. Then literally, right after I graduated from high school, like, where, how come you're not married yet? It's just this extreme, like you spent this whole, my whole 18 years indoctrinating me about not finding a spouse, and then literally 18.1, then all of a sudden, like, I have to go find a spouse for you. That's probably, I'm exaggerating, but you know what I mean? Like, sometimes our parents have these unrealistic expectations on where you need to be in your life. But you have to understand that your parents do not dictate your life, the Lord dictates your life. And you need to live in such a way that's first and foremost honoring to him. Now, the Bible here does speak of singleness in different terms. There are those that are virgins, those are ones that have never been with one or single. We have read that in verse 25. Uh, there are also those that are betrothed uh, in the Bible. That's like the ones that are engaged, about to get married. There are those that are unmarried, verse 8. I say to the unmarried and to the widows. Um, and then there are those that are widows, like I just read. Now, in a very broad sense, singleness is basically anyone that's not in some sort of covenant relationship with someone else. Uh, I mean, we have the obvious example of singleness in our Lord Jesus Christ. He was single throughout his life. He maximized his entire life for the glory of God. The betrothed are basically people who are engaged and are not married. That's like Mary and Joseph. They were betrothed. They're about to get married. Um, and then there are those that are unmarried. And it seems in the text of 1 Corinthians 7, like, like verse 8, where it says, if I say the unmarried into the widows, what's the difference between someone that's unmarried and a virgin or single? It seems that unmarried has, is a different category altogether because unmarried seems to imply that it's someone that was divorced. Like they, they, uh, they, it's, not, it's not a widow because, you know, that widow means that you lose your spouse. It's not a virgin or a single, meaning like you've never been married before. So the unmarried are people that, they, they were married at one point, and for one reason or another, they're no longer married now. It's most likely because of a divorce. And of course, uh, there are those that are widowed. And um, I think some people think that Paul is that way, that he wasn't single or a virgin in that way, that he's never been with someone. And the reason why that is is because Paul, and some, some of the commentators say that he's part of the Sanhedrin, and one of the, one of the conditions to be a Sanhedrin is that you have to be married. And it seems to indicate by the time of 1 Corinthians 7 that he, has, he doesn't have a wife anymore. So it could mean that he is a widow or that the, the spouse left him. But whatever the case may be, he is no longer married. And he is one of those people that are in the single category. Now here's just the reality that in our church and just the church as a whole, we have all of them. In this church, we have those. We have those that are single. We have those that are engaged, that are, uh, that are about to get married. We have those that used to be married but are not now because of a divorce. And we have those that are single because their spouse has gone, has passed away. Singleness, again, covers every single area of those categories. So when you are single and you desire marriage, that means that you 
You need to faithfully seek. And if you haven't found someone, that you need to remain in the condition that you are with joy and gladness. If you seek and you do find, then you need to stay in that condition with joy and gladness. That reason is because there's no assurance of tomorrow. If you want to be single, then stay single. If you want to get married, then get married. Um, the wrong way to think about this is that you feel that, oh, I'm destined for marriage, or I'm destined for single for the rest of my life. You have to understand that God can change your circumstance. You can be singled and married for a season. The debate on whether singleness is better or marriage is better is really settled in verse 38. Verse 38 of 1 Corinthians 7 said, so then he who gives his own virgin daughter in marriage does well, and who does not and he who does not give her marriage give her in marriage will do better. And we also see that uh, Paul even earlier has said that he you should remain as I am because singleness is better. Singleness is only better if you're completely devoted and using your own all your your mind and time to glorify and honor the Lord. It is not better, however, if you use your singleness to sin. If you struggle with sin, then marriage is actually better for you because it is better for you to marry than to burn with passion. That's what verse 2 says. But because of, of immoralities, each man is to have his own wife and each woman is to have her own husband. So again, why is singleness better? Well, Paul says this here in verse 34. Um, I guess I'll start from verse 31. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the, the world how he may please his wife, and his interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin who is concerned by the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. The one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. You'll notice in NASB, it uses the word interest is divided. This is the idea of being fractured. It's just hard to focus on certain things because you have a wife or husband or kids to care for. That's just a practical reality. He, he's not saying, however, that just because your interest is divided that you're not devoted to the Lord. I think sometimes people think that, well, if I am single, then I need to do everything in ministry, but they think that no, marriage is also a ministry to your own family. You have to take care of your kids, you have to take care of um, your, 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 your spouse, and you gotta do other things as well. Paul is here is just saying that it's not so much about your devotion to divided, because as Christians, everything we do must be an act of worship to him. Everything we do is, is out of devotion to him. But it really, it just means that how you divide your time, how you spend your time and what you think about is going to be divided. It's going to be fractured because you're gonna to have to spend some time thinking about ministry. You're gonna to have to think about things with your family. You're gonna to have to think about your spouse. You're gonna think about all of these different things. And if you just look at your time and how much you spend, I mean, 100% of it should be devoted to the Lord, but, but it just gets divided up more if you're married. Again, just example, a married person needs to spend time and, and ways to, to serve and please their spouse, and they are in a unique time with, uh, that they need one another that's separate from the rest. Right? There are times where I need time with my wife away from the kids, and there are times when I need with my family time that's away from everybody else. And there are times where I need to be with the church and away from my family. Just, I just have to, married people just have to think more about how to, how to spend their day. They obviously can not do everything, um, but, they just, but they need to prioritize things differently. Marriage requires work. You will find that it takes a lot to maintain your family. Marriage is not merely a, some sort of Christian form of consensual sex. Because that's how I think some people view marriage, that that's all that marriage is. 
but it's way more than that. It's way more glorious and more beautiful than that. And I think that's why some people get married for the wrong reason. They go into marriage thinking that it's all about themselves, that this person's going to finally make me complete and feel good about life. And then they realize after maybe several months down the road that it is not as satisfying as they hoped. Because there's always sin involved and our hearts are so easily discontent that we will always have to wrestle with that in our own hearts. Marriage is way more than that. It's a covenant relationship that takes work and investing. And Paul is saying that if you, get, if, you get, if you do get married, just know that this is just the reality that you need to think about. This is the cost that it takes for marriage that single people do not have to worry about. Yes, single people have to plan them out their days, but it's, it, the consequences is a lot less. And again, think about the context that what's going on here. The early church they weren't like us where we can have we're so much like free time and everything that we have like nice buildings with HVACs and air conditions and stuff like that. It was hard to be a Christian back then. It was like, okay, where do we meet for church? And they had to figure out how to communicate that to everyone else. And when they go, they have to like find a place to hide and they had to find ways to avoid those that want to kill them. It was very difficult to be a Christian. But imagine that it'd be doubly so when you have a family. Now you're taking your whole family to church, and you got to make sure, okay, the kids might, you know, sometimes they might have to meet late at night, and they have to make sure the kids are safe, and then they have to go and then, or take the kids with them. They might scream, and people might notice, hey, what are these Christians meeting? You know, it just takes, it's just a lot more of a cost. It just costs a lot more when you do ministry and live life at, in a, in, as a married person. And at the time, it was very difficult. And in fact, so difficult that some of the Christians at this time in the current Corinth wanted to leave their spouse altogether. They feel like, okay, I can't handle this pressure anymore. I want to leave. And there are some of those that are in their singleness are wondering, okay, I, I'm burning and I want to get married. Uh, what, do, what do I need to do? In fact, that's why Paul begins this chapter by saying, now I'm concerned things about which you wrote. These were all genuine concerns that they're writing to Paul and Paul's trying to answer each and every single one of them. He's saying that he wants to spare them by telling them this is what it is. But if you choose to get married, there's nothing wrong with that. You just understand the reality of the situation. Because if you can't handle it, if you can't honor the Lord in your marriage, it's better that you stay single. At the same time, if you cannot honor the Lord in your singleness, then it's better that you get married. You know, we do premarital in this church, and premarital is really just a slow process to make people think less about singleness. We're basically trying to rewire the person to think about less about themselves and more about the other person, to have these practical ways to think about what marriage might look like for them, and even to caution them that if they live a certain way, that it doesn't go magically disappear the moment that you're married. In fact, that's why a lot of conflicts happen in that first year of marriage, because people don't realize how hard marriage can be that they have to work at it, that they have to learn to die themselves daily. Marriage takes work, and that means that your interest is going to be divided. Paul is saying that if you're single, your interest is easier to figure out. Just like, again, the Christian that is back in the persecuted times, they didn't have to think about, oh, how many food do I need to pack or diapers do I need to pack before I go to church. They just go to church, right? Even if there's persecution, they're less to worry about. But for the parents, people that are already married, they're having to think more about other people. Again, singleness just means you have an undivided attention to make Christ glorious to a watching world. You can demonstrate joy and the meaning and meaning of life in a very unique way. And you have to understand that as a single person, what you have is that you get to have 
genuine, intimate, meaningful relationship with your brothers and sisters that will last forever. The Lord calls you to be, to be in the state that you're in. Verse 20, it says, each man must remain in the condition in which he is called. In verse 7 as, as well, yet I wish that all men were even as I am. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner, another in that. So that means that there, the Lord has blessed some people with singleness, and some people he has blessed with marriage. Both are important gifts to the church and important in terms of building the kingdom of God. No one, I mean, singleness is actually is greater than marriage because that's what Paul says. You understand that marriage and singleness are both spiritual gifts from the Lord. Right, 1 Corinthians 12, or uh, no, Romans chapter 12, yeah, 1 Corinthians 12 as well, they all speak of these spiritual gifts, the things that we have. Like things, some people are good at singing, some people are good at teaching, some people are hospitable. Well, singleness and marriage are also in those categories as well. That single people are going to be used uniquely in the church, just like how married people are going to be used uniquely in the church. No one gift is greater than the other. This is why when married people boast about their marriage, it's almost like if I boast about teaching. I look like, it's like, ah, AV people don't matter because only the preacher matters. It's a very prideful thing to say. And that's what sometimes married people do. They look, they look down on those that are single, thinking that their gift is more important than the single people. But the reality is that all the gifts, singleness, marriage, whatever, these are all unique gifts that the Lord has blessed the church with. That's why I want to say to you, all you single people that are here, that you are a treasure to the, Lord, to the church because you're a, gift, you're a gift from the Lord. Don't undervalue your singleness because the world thinks that you're a loser, or even sometimes people in the church that attack you for your singleness. You are a blessing to the church. You are a gift from the Lord to be used in a very unique way. Singleness does not mean that you somehow have more time uh, and that only single people should do all the ministries in the church. It's just, you're just in a different condition. Marriage and singles have the same amount of time. It's just that married people must figure out how to share the 24 hours with their family. You need to figure out family things the way that um, the single person does not need to worry about. It just means that whatever ministry you're doing, you can devote your full attention and mind to it. Again, this doesn't mean that you need to do more. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that you can focus on it more. It means that you don't have to be distracted by it. You don't have to, like, you know, you can, you can spend more time doing whatever ministry you want, and that you don't have to worry about, oh, do I need to put my kids down to bed or, or you know, date nights or anything. You can just fully devote yourself and immerse in ministry, and whatever that context looks like in your life. And I'm, and I'm sure a lot of you are doing that. I'm sure a lot of you are serving and pouring into each other, being poured into, and I just say continue doing those things. Excel still more. Again, this does not mean that um, you know, singleness or marriage, you know, we, don't, we shouldn't be looking down on single people. You'd imagine, let's say we did a race. You know, if, if, if my family was a race person that is married without children and then with a third competitor being the single person, you could imagine who would get down to LA fastest. Right? I remember when I was single, I could get down to LA in like four and a half hours to five hours. Uh, when I was married, I remember it took me about five to six hours. And sometimes Kelly and I would be like, oh, hey, let's stop by over there. Let's go eat at this place. Oh, what's over there? Let's pull over. Let's, you know, or, or I need this restroom. And you know, we have to like stop, right? And when, I, when my kids and, and my full family went down, it was like 10 hours. 
Like, uh, one of the kids are like, oh, I, I need the restroom. The other kid is angry. The other one's like, okay, we ran out of snacks. We got to pull over. We got to change diaper. I need the restroom, whatever. It's just constantly distractions that keep you from getting to our destination. That is kind of what uh, ministry and marriage is like. You know, and then just life in general when you're married. You just have more things to, uh, to worry about. You're more distracted from, from doing things that you may have achieved easily as a single person. Again, I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm just saying that all of them are unique, and all of them is, is part of the kingdom of God, and it can be used by the Lord in a very distinct way. God uses all of us in whatever relational state we're in for his glory. If you look at verse 25 of 1 Corinthians 7, now concerning virgins, I have no command of the Lord. This doesn't mean that he's like, hey, God is not, I'm telling you something that God didn't say. Uh, he's actually saying that there's no written thing that Jesus has spoke about this topic. Um, there was, so he's, he's speaking, he's saying his opinion, but what it means is that he's actually saying something that, um, that the Lord has inspired him that he did not read beforehand. So there was no Old Testament passage about what he's saying. That's what he's trying to get at here. So don't think that Paul is like, you know, adding to scripture here. He's just saying that there was not, or adding to, or contradicting scripture here. He's just saying there was no sort of, sort of previous revelation about this particular thing he's about to say. But I give an opinion to those who by, who by the mercy of the Lord is trustworthy. I think that this is good in view of the present distress that is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to, re- to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not, do not seek a wife. But if you marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Yet such will have trouble in this life, and I'm trying to spare you. Again, see, Paul is trying to protect the people who are maybe weak-willed. You know, they think that I want to get married, but they haven't thought through how hard that is. Or people that think, like, I want to leave my, my marriage, and they haven't even thought through those things. He's trying to encourage and strengthen those people. Yet in the context of 1 Corinthians, there was, it, it's very, it was very hard to be a Christian. It would be like if you were being a Christian in the Middle East or in some sort of Asian country where they are against Christians. That's, what it, that's why how hard it is. There's constant fear that not only you know, going to church or anything, but like there's just vulnerabilities that like, okay, if they take my kid and they torture my kid for the gospel, can I, will, will I deny the faith so that my kid can stop being tortured? This is the, what the early church had to think through and wrestle through. And that's what he's trying to say, that, that, this, that if you go and try to live life, it's just going to be harder when you are married. He's trying to spare people from those, from those difficulties. So that's just the reality. Again, he's, he, he's not saying anything is in particular sin, but he's just saying that your devotion is just going to be split. And again, just trying to understand that this is just the reality of living in a fallen world. It's hard to watch your family suffer as you possibly all suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. Now this topic of singleness, I do want to address this as a side note. I know that it's possible that the reason why some of you are single is because you struggle with same-sex attraction. You understand that I cannot marry someone because that would violate scripture. And you are, you're correct that you want to honor the Lord, you want to live in such a way that's pleasing, you just struggle with same-sex attraction. So the only option for you, really, is, is, is at least for now, it could be just singleness. The Lord can change your desires. I'm not saying that's not possible, but just understand that the goal 
for this message or any message about single is not to make you into a heterosexual and keep you single forever. It's, it's rather, it's to make you love God more so that you don't find any sin more attractive, that you find the Lord way more attractive than any sins, that, that you wholly devote your life to him. You have a unique gift and a unique way to glorify God, and all of us need that. All of us are, are broken in some way, and we all need to have a greater love and affection for the Lord. And we can ask God to give us grace to have intimate friendships in the context of the church so that we do not feel lonely. Because that's one of the biggest reasons why people would either marry outside the faith or just give up altogether in fighting for purity. Because they can't imagine life you know, being alone. But you're not alone because you have the church. Friend, if you struggle with same-sex attraction, you are not alone. Uh, you are part of the body and you are family. Just because you struggle with lust, and this is all of us struggle with lust in a different way, that doesn't mean um, that you might be given or even bounded for marriage. Just understand that. Just because you sometimes struggle with some sort of craving or sexual desire, that does not mean that God is going to make you married. Some of you, again, are going to be single for the rest of your life, and you need to see that as a privilege, that the Lord has found it worthy for you to live in this state. And again, it just gives you, you have a unique ability and opportunity to build the kingdom of God. This is, again, this doesn't mean that um, it doesn't mean that you guys need to do more. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just trying to help you from being discouraged. That you know, when when some people think, oh, you're single, you need to do more. You're not. Some of you are doing a lot more, and and you're being portrayed as some sort of lazy person. That's not the, that's not true. And some of you maybe are lazy, but others of you, I trust, are a, a lot of you are not. In your own private time, you're praying and, and you're trying to build relationships with, with one another. You're you're making time and sacrifices for one another. These are all great things that no one that married people don't usually see, and that's okay because you're doing it for the Lord. So don't live out of the fear of your parents or or other married people that wonder why you're still single. Live for the glory of God. Know that the Lord has placed you in the state and you should be thankful for it. We, should, we, we shouldn't complain about the gifts that God has given us and envy those that have gifts that we do want. You need to think of your singleness as given by God that is good and it needs to be utilized to its fullest potential. It's interesting that it's often acceptable for singles to complain about singleness, but imagine if a married person complained about marriage. Like if, 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 a per, if you came up to a married person and they just kept talking about how they don't like being married and like, oh, marriage is terrible. You think there's something wrong with this person, right? But yet when a single people complain about singleness, somehow it's like it's, it's always a respectable sin somehow. But you have to understand that in both cases, the disgruntled married person, the disgruntled single person, that the issue here is not singleness or marriage. It's rather is a spiritual issue. It is a spiritual issue. Paul tells us to live as we are, lived as we're called, verse 17, but only as the Lord has assigned to each one as God has called each. In this manner, let him walk. So wherever you are, whether you're single or married, walk in that. That's the way the Lord has placed you. I read this verse, verse 20, each man must remain in the condition in which he is called. Verse 24, brethren, each one is to remain with God in that condition in which he was called. Complaining about your relational status is complaining about God's will for your life, at least will in the very present moment, because, again, the Lord can change that. 
you may, you may be single for now, you may be single for a season, and the Lord can provide someone and change that altogether. You must believe that since Jesus gave up his life for you, that you need to give your life to him. And wherever he decides to place you, that's where you're going to be. You must be willing to deny yourself and follow him. And everything comes down to devotion and worshiping the Lord. However, marriage does make it hard because you know, marriage is just hard. You're, 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 it's a good thing, but it's just, there's just, there are practical realities that Paul is stressing here. Um, I, actually, it was just like two days ago or nights ago. Um, Kelly was trying to read her Bible, and Nicholas you know, sees us like, hey, they're not paying us any attention. I'm going to make, I'm going to change that. So he crawls up onto the bed, and you know, Kelly's here. She's just reading her Bible on the bed, and then Nicholas just kind of crawls and wiggles his way into the, in between her and the Bible. And it's almost like those moments where I was like, Get behind me, Satan. This is not, it's like mommy's trying to do her devotions here. Again, marriage is, is good. It's a great thing, but it's difficult because you have to you know, work through different things. You have to be like, okay, I can't, I can't read the Bible as much as I like because I have to take care of my son, or I can't pray as long as I like because I have to do this and that. And that's just, that's, those things are all part of the umbrella of devotion to the Lord. It's just, again, your, your attention and interests are just split. It's harder to just be completely focused sometimes. That's what Paul is trying to get at. And marriage is good, but also understand that marriage isn't eternal. That, this is actually why Paul writes marriage in the sense of he calls it the things of the world. And, and he's not saying that, you know, world in the sense of like a worldly kind of thing. Like, like you know, when we use the word worldly, stop being so worldly, it's like stop being sinful, right? Paul isn't saying that when he speaks about marriage. He's just saying that marriage does not last forever. Marriage doesn't last forever. Marriage isn't sinful. It's just something that will not last. That's why singleness is a very unique gift because it's actually the permanent gift. It actually is something that you're, you're born with. You can, it can change for a season in your life and you will go back to singleness. God needed Paul to be single for that particular purpose. That's why I said earlier that I think he was married and you just look at the book of Acts, look how hard Paul's life was. He couldn't do any of the things that he was able to do if he was still married. And I know based on just how Paul writes about marriage in Ephesians that he would fully devote himself to, to the Lord by honoring and taking care and leading his wife. But for whatever reason, the Lord has seemed to have taken her out of his life so that he can do all of these ministries so that we have most of the New Testament. God needed Paul for that particular purpose. So each life is assigned by the Lord. If God doesn't think it's good for you to be single now, then you won't be single. And on the flip side, if God wants you to be single, that means you will, you will, uh, you will be single. That means even for those that are married, you would, there's a chance that you can get back to that state. Singleness and married people can both think that they are missing out on something, but the reality is that they are only missing out on something if they're constantly discontent with their life. A married person shouldn't always be dwelling about, oh, Oh, the good old days when I was single, because that's discontent in the moment of what the Lord has given you. And in the, in the same way, a single person can say, I wish my life was different. I wish I was married. I wish I had kids, because that's ultimately discontent. Again, this issue is a spiritual issue. It's not necessarily a marital issue. But there is a question that I'm sure all of you guys are wondering is, how do I know if I have the gift of singleness? And there are three views on this, and um, one of the views I kind of dismiss because it's a Roman Catholic view. That's like, 
this vow of celibacy, and we're Protestants, so I'm going to reject that because <laughs> uh, that's not in the Bible. But they use, they do bend scripture in that in this way. But for how do I know if you're single? Here's one of the views: is that you are single right now. You know that you have the gift of singleness because you are presently single. And that's the most obvious reason, right? Like this view is that like whenever you are single, that's that means that God has gifted you with singleness because you are single at this very moment. In fact, that's what this word remains mean. I read it in uh, verse 20. Each man must remain in that condition in which he's called. That's what this word means, verse 24. Each one is to remain with God in that condition which he was called. This word remain, again, the Catholics use this view and say, okay, see, that's the vow of celibacy. But that's not what it means. Remains here is that it's not a vow, but rather it's you need to be content in the condition that you're in at the very moment. Again, don't assume that you'll stay single forever, just like you can't assume that you'll stay married forever. Remain where you are and be content. When you think of either extreme, you're presuming on the Lord. So that means if you're a married person, you think, oh, I will be married forever. That's presuming on the Lord, because the Lord can take your spouse and your family in an instant. In the same way, some people think, oh, I'm like you self-pity and self-loathing. I will be single forever and then the Lord brings someone to your life. That's actually how my relationship with my wife is like. Uh, before I entered into her world and ruined everything, she was in her mind content and was like, okay, I, yeah, I, I could be single. I could imagine giving my life sing wholeheartedly to the Lord. Then I came up and was like, hi, do you want to go out with me? And it just ruined her thoughts and the Lord just changed her condition. That's, that's what I mean, don't presume on the Lord. The view in James chapter four tells us that, you know, you don't know what tomorrow has to bring. The Lord can change that. So in other words, that means you, as Christians, we should be the most joyful and excited people because we know the Lord's taking care of us. We don't need to worry about the, what the future might hold. Just be content and thankful and live the present moment to the fullest for the glory of God. Because presumption in the Lord is really lacking true faith. In verse 29 here, for chapter, this is why I said I'm jumping all over the place, so you jump back down in verse 29. But this I say, brethren, the time has been shortened so that from now on those who have wives should be as though they had none. Um, this life is short. Marriage is short. But singleness is forever. In light of this life ending soon, think and live with an eternal perspective. Don't be concerned with something that does not last forever. Now, does that sound strange to you? I'm a married person. I'm saying, don't worry about temporal, worldly things that will not last forever. So that's when, I, so when people, and if you hear from a song or, or if you try to say to someone like, you and me forever, understand that is heretical and unbiblical because you will not be together forever. Um, marriage only lasts until one of you passes away or when Christ returns because there's no marriage in heaven. Marriage is just a temporal reality. It's, a, it's supposed to be the intent is to be a picture of Christ and the church is so that other people can just tangibly see the Lord's relationship with the bride, with his bride of Christ. But it only lasts in this life or until one of you passes away. Marriage is not insignificant, but it's just not eternal. In other words, your marriage will not last forever. Your singleness will, and also your friendships with one another will. You understand that in the big picture, in the span of all of eternity, marriage is just a small drop in the bucket. That's why I say that, this, that this is a spiritual issue as opposed to a relational issue. When people misunderstand singleness and marriage, it's something that's deficient in their own hearts. It's not whether you're single that's deficient. It's that you're thinking about this wrong, that you're thinking about things in the temporal instead of the eternal. 
the longing, and it's true that the longing and the loneliness, they're all real, but you have something that is real as well, and that is that you have Jesus Christ. The reality of Christ is greater than the reality of your singleness. And from an eternal perspective, it should give you a unique time for great gains for the kingdom of God. Be content in Christ, but not content in your singleness. And by that, I mean that, you know, when I say content singleness, I mean, like, don't be the guy who's like, well, I'm, it's hopeless. Okay, well, I guess I have to serve now. That's not really being content. You know, that's just grumbling and complaining. And you just, like, feel like you have nothing else better to do. No, be content in Christ. Be thankful to the fact that the Lord has given you singleness. And much like if you're, this, you're all married, people do blueprints. Say, be thankful that you're married and have kids. It's a privilege to be whatever state you're in. Remain in that condition. Paul's not forcing anyone to get married if they, want, if they don't want to be, or he's not forcing anyone out of marriage or to stay single. He's basically said, wherever you are, remain as you are. So, when, so the first thing view is that, how do I know if I'm single? Is that you're single right now. You're single right now. That's how you know you have to get the singleness because you're in the present state of singleness. If you want to get married, go for it if you, if you want, if, you, if you're able to. But if you want to stay single, that's okay too. Sweet, that's great. Wherever you are, whatever state you're in, Live that to the fullest for the glory of God. And that's the first view, though, that, that you know, some people are single because they're single, and I think that's an adequate view. And the second view, how do you know how to get the single is that you have no desire for sex. 1 Corinthians 7 is written for our instruction. It's very encouraging to those during the time. Because at the time, much like it is now and probably will be, the sexual ethic at that time is is just, this is just a debauched world. Corinth was not a place where you, it's not known for purity. It's like Vegas to like the 10th power. Um, I mean, it makes San Francisco looks like a Puritan time. That's how messed up they were. You know, they didn't care about marriage between one man and one woman. They, I mean, like, like really, if, if the LGBTQ movement would just go back in time, they will see that this is, what their movement is not new. It's just a sign that the, the, the society is just crumbling. That's all it is. When you look back in Corinth, that's what it was. They all lived this way, and the Christians were the only ones that decided that know what the Bible has to say about marriage, so they try to keep their, their purity in every sense of the word. But yet there are those that struggled. Others wrestled with divorce and leaving their spouse, and again, this is not new. Adultery and fornication was normal in Corinth, and marriage and singles back then was a disaster, just as it is today. And Paul here is trying to help straighten things out regarding the issue of singleness in marriage, even things like divorce and, and all that. The church wanted to know, and that's why he wrote this letter, or wrote this portion in this letter. Verse 2, he says this, but because of immoralities, each man is to have his own wife, and each woman is to have their own husband. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband and likewise, also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Stop depriving uh, one another, except for by agreements for a time, so that you may devote yourself to prayer and come together again, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. By this I say, by way of concession, not of command, yet I wish that all men, for even as I am myself, have each man has his own gift from, the, from God, one in this manner and one in another. Verse 8, but I say to the unmarried and to the widows that it's good for them to for them if they remain as I. But if they have no self-control, let them marry. For it's better to marry than to burn with passion. So the reality is that if you burn with passion, then you need to get married. 
again, this doesn't solve the issue of contentment, but it does help it. Um, it does help a little bit if you are married. Stay single if you're able, but if you cannot, and you struggle with, 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 with sexual desires, then it's perfectly fine for you to get married. Verse 36, tell that it's, it's, you know, it's, it's no, there's no sin in that. Find a spouse. Uh, so if you have a hard time keeping your desires under control, then it's better that you get married. Marriage doesn't solve it, of course, but it does help, and most of us will have to admit that we need that help. And it's okay to admit. It's okay to cry out to the Lord and let him know your struggles and, and, and ask him to sanctify you through this. That the Lord Ask the Lord to give him grace so that you can overcome every single temptation because the Lord doesn't place you in a circumstance or especially a, a moment where you're tempted without a means to escape. We have, again, some of those in our church that they're just uniquely gifted. They have no sexual desires for anyone and they just want to use their life for the glory of God. I met a missionary. Um, he was, he was, he's in, I guess he's in the unmarried category. He was not a believer. He came to America. It was like one of those green card marriages. Uh, then they divorced and got saved. And then somewhere along the line, he just wanted to keep devoting his life to the Lord. He's like, I don't want to get married. I, I, I want to go in this part of the world and do missions and, and win people to Christ. And I, I can't imagine myself being married and you know, he, that was a great thing. It was a very unique thing because I've never, it was very rare to meet people like that. But yet there are those and they are a treasure to the church because how they use their singleness for the glory of God. Again, it's super encouraging to see faithful single people as well as faithful married people. You know, the joyful married couple and the joyful single people is just a blessing to those around you. Again, I, I think Paul is in that widowed category. He knows what it takes he knows what it means. That means that he knows what it takes to maintain a marriage. He knows how hard it is to juggle both ministry and, and marriage. Again, somewhere along the line, he became unmarried. And he chose to stay single. But for Paul, the passion for sex was overrided by his passion for God's name to be made known. Again, like I said, the issue of singleness and marriage, it is not a status issue. It is a spiritual issue. It's not wrong to want to get married and go to God and ask for help. We need to lean on him. We need to let, admit our struggles and even times when we fall. But understand that God is only, he is the ultimate one that will satisfy you. Because that's who he is. He gives great glory to God when you don't get what you want. Because that's what our, that's what our Lord did, right? Jesus Christ said, not my will, but your will be done. And for some of you, that might mean singleness it might be that struggle for the rest of your life but are you devoted to the lord to say not my will lord but your will be done you should be single for sake of holiness and to have greater devotion to the lord god doesn't want you to commit sexual sin so don't marriage is a means and grace to help you with that but if you don't have the sexual desire then that's the second sign that you do that you have the gift of singleness so for, so so which view do i hold I've got to the point in my life where I, I tend to say all the above to a lot of things. I'm like, okay, which one is it? It's all the above. I think it's both. I think when you're single, you have the gift of singleness because you're single in this moment. The Lord has placed you in that state, and you could remain for a while until the Lord cho thinks, chooses otherwise. And when you are, if you have no desire, you have no sexual desire, and it's, it's not you know, overwhelming your mind, your thoughts throughout the day or moments like that, then yeah, those both are in that category. And I know some of you, I know all of you are at least in that first category, but some of you are uniquely 
gifted in that second category. So it's both views. I think I hold to both of them, except minus the Roman Catholic vow celibacy thing. Because those people, those monks, should get married, but they choose not to get married, which is a distortion of what Paul is saying here. But yeah, just understand, like I said, this is a reminder that there are some misconceptions of marriage by senior people. And one of them is that your spouse will complete you. And I know that's a very romantic thing to say. You know, it's like, oh, you complete me. And it's like, okay, yeah, but not really because you're, that's actually a lot of pressure on your spouse. Because if they go away, then are you suddenly less complete? Or if you die, I mean, yeah, again, it sounds romantic. My, my, my wife is gone, so then I'm incomplete. But it's like, you have to understand your identity is not in your, your marital status. It's in Christ. Um, marriage is just is a blessing, is a grace gift from the Lord. True completeness will not be fully recognized until we are with our Savior. Our Lord is really the only one that can complete us. Our faith will become sight. This is what we long for. Marriage is just, again, a means of grace. is a gift from the Lord, but it cannot complete you in the way that Christ will complete you. And second, a misconception. First is like a misconception by single people that, oh, if I get married, that'll be complete. The second one is that you will be happy. Again, this is too much pressure on your spouse that if I don't have you, then I cannot be happy in my entire life. Imagine being told that the, the, the fate of this other person's completeness and happiness and meaning in life is, is like on your shoulders. This is not something that God has designed you for. God has not designed us to fully make the other person happy because that's who God is. God is supposed to be the one that satisfies completely. Your spouse is not going to do that. Your spouse will fail you, but Christ will never fail you. So that is the second misconception. And then the third one is that when you're married, you will be superior. Just kind of like that prideful thing I talk about when married people looking down on, on, on singles. And again, married people aren't better Christians. Now, obviously, that's not true because there are many Christians that just bomb in their marriage. Godly marriages are good and often can be, will require maybe another level of godliness that an ungodly, lazy person might aspire to. Um, but that doesn't mean that every married person is particularly mature. Uh, yes, they have different life experiences. Yes, they have different realms of wisdom. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're inherently super godly just because they have a ring on their finger. Again, I, I want to highlight and elevate singleness and understand that singleness is that eternal gift. Marriage is the temporal gift. Singleness is the eternal gift that will last forever. But marriage is that, is that just that temporal gift. You know, every time I leave home to come to work or every time my wife goes out, there is always a reality that that might be the last time I see them or my wife or my kids. Because if the Lord wants, he can take it all away. So I have this light grip on my family because I know if the Lord wants to remove it, then that's what it is. And that means I go back to singleness. And so for some of you, Again, I think Paul here is trying to remind you to spare you from pain because there is that reality that marriage means that there's always that possibility that one day your spouse is going to go. And it's going to be a hard thing to part. But, it's, but if you don't have that you know, situation, you will never have to endure that pain. And some people, because of that pain, they just, you know, I think oftentimes you'll see that when, when especially elderly people, when one spouse dies, it doesn't take that long before the other goes. So marriage is that temporal gift, but your friendships, your singleness, the people, the relationships that you have, they will go all the way into eternity. 
If you guys are all believers here, then we'll all be single in heaven forever, praising and worshiping the Lord. Marriage will end just like everything else in this life, but the friendships that we develop here with our brothers and sisters will go beyond this life. In a lot of ways, your friendships now is really a foreshadow of heaven, whereas a marriage couple is, is, is a picture of between Christ, uh, the Christ and the, and the church. Our friendships with one another is a foretaste of heaven. It's a show what heaven will look like. People gather together, uh, enjoying each other's company, showing love to each other as they worship the Lord together. That's how the book of Revelation ends, where there's just people from every tribe and tongue singing praises to the Lord. And that's what I want you to have. Have this eternal perspective on singleness. Don't think that this is the worst thing that's going to happen to you, because the worst thing that has happened to you is dealt with on the cross. Most of the time, we wrestle with singleness or marriage the wrong way because we're too focused on how to date, on what kind of person I want, meet, I want to marry, instead of how can God grow me in the time that I'm in, in the, in the state that I am right now? Again, it comes down to a spiritual issue. Do you have, do you, when you're struggling, you're, you want to wrestle not with like, oh, how do I be cool, or how do I look pretty, or whatever. Those things are temporal things. You want to ask the Lord for greater devotion to him. You must see your singleness, whether it is for a season or for a lifetime, as this is something that the Lord has given you. But obviously, God didn't leave you in the state that you're in because you have, um, he didn't leave you in the state by yourself because you primarily have a relationship with him. Jesus is described as our friend. And then again, you have secondly, you have the church. This is why we need to be in each other's lives. The world wants to be isolated by themselves, but what, make the church unique, what makes the church unique is that we have each other, that we are all family. Whether they are single or married, whatever it may be, we have the body of Christ together. What am I supposed to do with all the things I heard? You know, what all the things I just heard? Again, if you struggle with lust, then you need to get married. Don't delay it. Again, there are wrong reasons to delay marriage. I've met those kind of people. Oh, I don't want to be responsible for someone else. I want to stay single. That's not a, but they burn with, you know, with, with desires, and yet they don't want to get married. They are completely eligible to get married, but they chose not. They choose not to because oh, the right person has come. It's like the, to find the right person, to find someone that is like that we want. What you want? And really, it's just it's just a selfishness. I don't want to get married because I don't want to get married, and, that, and they, yet they wrestle with the with, with sexual sin. And that's a, that's a wrong way to get to, to stay single. Don't delay it. Um, I know there's some questions that some of you ranging in terms of age of younger people here like are you saying that I should get married at 18 or 22 or 20 you know like early you know, younger than like older and, I said, and personally okay here's me personally so yeah, if I could stand aside this is my opinion it is better that you struggle as a married person through just life things like paying bills or saving up for money and all that stuff like that it's better that you that you struggle in those things because those things aren't sinful things than to struggle with sexual temptation. That's just me personally. I think I, that's the counsel I'll give. If you're, that's why I think I would encourage young people to get married because then you're forced to, you're not gonna fall into any sin. Again, that's my opinion. That's just in the counsel that I would give. You don't have to go and do likewise, but if you choose to delay marriage, then you need to understand you'd be content there are those that choose to delay marriage when it's perfectly fine for them to, to, to get married. And that's wrong, I think. Here's Matthew 
chapter 19. Jesus speaks in this context of divorce and marriage in Matthew chapter 19, verse 12. I'll start from verse 1. But he said to them, not all men can accept the statement. What is the statement? It's like, um, verse 10, the disciples said to him, if the relation of man with his wife is like this, it is better not to marry. And Jesus said, not many of them can can accept the statement, but only those whom has been given. Again, singleness is a gift from the Lord. But there are eunuchs who were born that way from their mother's womb, meaning that they are born without any of those ability or desires. There are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, so slaves that were um, that end up losing their parts because of the service into the kingdom, and therefore they can't get married, or at least they cannot um, have their sexual desires met. And there are eunuchs who made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. He who is able to accept this, let him accept this. Now, those are really the categories that if you're able to control yourself, then yes, stay single. But if you can't, then it's better for you to get married. Pray the Lord will, will give you courage, trust, and humility as you pursue a spouse. Now, if you struggle with lust and can't get married, understand also that you need to remain where the Lord has placed you and invest more in your spiritual walk and in others for the kingdom of God. Remember that the beauty of your singleness is that it will last forever and your godly friendships will, with one another is a foretaste of what heaven is going to be like. Be thankful to the Lord that he has given you friends and family and career and ministry, all that you, you're able to do in, your, in the state that you're in and pray and, and continue to trust in the Lord's good hand throughout your singleness. So I know some of you, I know you struggle with, with this and you want to get married. And you're just saying, I can't seem to get someone to want to date me or marry me, marry you. Um, and you're trying to grow in Christ's likeness and brothers and sisters for some reason don't view you that way. And you need to pray that the Lord will humble you, that the Lord is humbling you and don't, don't resist that. The Lord is obviously trying to purge you of something um, and he's trying to make you more like Christ. Lean into what the Lord is trying to teach you. Ask the Lord, how can I grow in this? And oftentimes you'll find that when you see your own sin and when the Lord reveals those areas, you realize, okay, I am not, un I am not ready to get married because there's so many things that are deficient and the Lord is trying to reveal those things, but we keep resisting it because we're saying, God, why can't you give me what I want? Because oftentimes if God gives you what you want, it's just going to be a disaster for you and your marriage. And sometimes the Lord is sparing you from those things. And you need to see God's goodness and not giving you what you want, the when you want. But ask the Lord, Lord, what is your will in this moment in time? If you want me to be single, your will be done, not my own. Again, be like Jesus in that way, that you ultimately want to devote your entire life to the Lord and to glorify him no matter how difficult it may be. Keep, keep praying to the Lord. Keep entrusting that the Lord will provide you someone. But even if he doesn't provide you someone, praise the Lord for it. Because that is an answer to prayer, like I said earlier. Sometimes people ask, how come God doesn't answer my prayer? No, he did answer your prayer. The answer is no. And you need to be thankful that he's answered our prayers to give us clarity so that we cannot focus on the temporal things, but the things that has eternal significance. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thankful for your text and Lord, this is a very complicated issue because all of us are in different states in our walk. And Lord, I trust that the Holy Spirit will, will draw the principles, the biblical principles um, in our lives and to apply in such a way that it would be pleasing to you. Lord, I do pray for those that are struggling, um, that you would give them contentment and thankfulness. 
um, that they don't see singleness as some sort of plight or some sort of disease or some sort of deficiency in their life. But Lord, we are made complete in you. Lord, may, may, all, may those that are struggling with singleness be content and satisfied in you, knowing that no human relationships can ever offer what you offer us in your, Lord, in your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, and for those that are, of us that are married or dating or engaged, may we be humble knowing that the reason why we have our significant other for the time that we have is not because of our charm, it's not because of anything that we say that is persuasive, it's nothing about us, Lord, but it's because of just your grace and kindness and, the, and that you see fit for, for us to live in this particular state for this particular time. May we always be thankful and remain where we are with joy and gladness for your glory, Lord. In your son's precious name, amen.